All right, welcome back in for another episode of the Ball Boys podcast. You know, I took the last week off. I had some things going on, scheduling. It happens, happens. But we're here in August. The first game of football is tomorrow for us. Uh, It'll have happened yesterday for when you're watching. Obviously, we're recording on a Wednesday night here. Maybe we'll throw it out Thursday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll address the elephant in the room. Yeah, I, I'm red, red as a tomato. Um, <laughs> you can see a little on the hat, the CLB. I went to the Drake concert in Philadelphia out here. I bought floor seats for the price that I paid for it. I had to make sure that I was in the front row. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'm paying those ticket prices and I'm not being in the front. You could probably hear it a little bit in my voice still. It's not fully back yet. But I got to the front row but I had to wait outside for six, seven hours. <laughs> and I was so, I, dude, so the day of actually, or the night before, I was like, you know, I'm gonna get there like three, four o'clock and like, that'll probably be fine. Uh, and then like, I'll roll in and like, uh, maybe I won't be first in line, but I'm sure like, I'll be close. And then I saw a TikTok where this guy was like, we're lining up for the Drake concert at 4 a.m. and we're still 50th in line. And I was like, <laughs> and i was off that day so i was like like you know fuck it like i'm gonna go down earlier and i'm gonna just be sure that i got my spot and i get there at 11 30 parking was open which is good because the people in front of me like at the front front they got there like 8 39 and parking wasn't open so they're like on the outside of wells fargo and anybody that knows how that's set up like yeah there's nowhere <laughs> to like chill like, and I drove, so, like, if they Ubered, they could just sit outside there, but I drove, so, like, I would have said to spin the block over and over again, and, like, because Xfinity's not open yet, like, it's a bar, so, like, you I would have... You could have got the Kelly Greens while you were there. <laughs> I, I went day two. That was day one. I can only imagine. That place must have been yeah. packed that day, but, so, I get there at 1130. Uh, obviously, I got to the front. Um, pull up the Instagram. Maybe I can remember, and... Um, Put a picture up on the thing if it don't come through like good enough but like this is the level of seats that i was at picture that i took myself uh another picture like that i took myself so i was that i mean i was right there i mean to brag <laughs> me, me and drake had a little back and forth me and 21 had a little back and forth but it, it was a time it was a time uh no one you went to see post malone this week uh, you know send the ball boys be the concert boys this week yeah. baby <laughs> Yeah, we got everything rolling out this week. How was that? How was that? How was that show for you? Uh, no, it was dope. Um, so it was outdoors. Um, I saw him once before. It was right before COVID, and yeah. he's an awesome performer. If you've never seen him, yeah, never um, seen post. Check him out. Um, so appreciative and just so humble for like how big he is. Like he was thanking everybody for every song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he played a lot of the classics, not too much off the new album, and it was an awesome time. Um, the only only negative, not negative con, but. Um, I'm a big concert guy and just the outdoor setting wasn't like the best, you yeah. know, it's down and all that, but it was still an awesome time. But, um, I hope for his next tour, it's indoors and I'm actually going to see Drake too. That's awesome. The end of September. So I'll let you let's know. Let's go. Let's go. Hopefully Which I don't get sunburned. I don't think I, I will, but. <laughs> yeah. As I was gonna say, your skin's more used to the sun than mine. Yeah. One, but I will say one hour out here is like equivalent to like five up North. So, yeah. So. I don't know. It, it's, it was, it's been a hot summer. And yeah, then them, U, them UV lights were, they were poking on that day. But the reason you guys clicked on this, of course, wasn't just to hear about us talk about concerts. Uh, 
sports i mean we're right here on the cusp of nfl season and you know no one's a huge jets guy this season we're, we're gonna get to the predictions in a couple weeks i promise you that but the jets they it's a busy week for them yeah. hard knocks comes out on the eighth um they're in the hall of fame game that's tomorrow mm-hmm. and the thumbnail of this video aaron <laughs> Rodgers versus sean payton just a you know a little recap i'm sure you'd heard the story at this point but sean payton basically gets on this interview and they're talking to him about the Broncos, and he rips into Nat Hackett. He's mm-hmm. like, this is the worst coach team in the league last year. Everybody's acting like Russell Wilson doesn't have it. Russell Wilson has it. It was just terrible coaching all around, just ripping into the staff, which is normally something that you don't see in terms of coaches, really, in any sport. You don't see them come for each other like that. It's usually just like, uh, oh, I'm here to do my job, and you know, we're going to change some things up. And Hopefully that'll improve. But you don't see like a full rip in. But, you know, Sean Payton is who he is. Um, we, we were talking a little pre-show. And, you know, he's a little brash guy. He'd be a little bit of an asshole sometimes. He's not scared to be that way. And, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Nat Hackett is his guy. He was a quarterback coach in Green Bay. It's how he got the Broncos job originally. Um, obviously, fired from there. The Jets bring him on. You know, Rodgers, that's his guy. So, Rodgers goes out and... In Will Smith fashion, keep my coach's name out your mouth, he says to Sean Payton. Now we got that Broncos-Jets game coming in week five. So much potential there. Those two teams, you know, in my opinion, are going to be battling for wild card spots. Obviously, we'll get to full predictions in the future. But, no, and I got to ask you, like, are you Team Rodgers or are you Team Payton here? Hey, I'm Team Rodgers. I got Jets, Jets gang big this year um but even before the jets talk you know i I wasn't the biggest sean payton guy um i don't like his arrogance attitude all that yeah he's a little dirty you know that whole bounty gate situation there's just a lot of not so great things about him you know so um i'm excited though to see how he does in denver you know because i mean last year was a shit show so him, Russell Wilson, I want to see what his offense can do. Yeah, know? I'll say this. You go out and make comments like that, mm-hmm. you better be in the playoffs. Yeah. you. I mean, and it's not just enough to be better than you were. You better, like, level this team up. And listen, it might not even be his fault. Russell Wilson could very well be washed. But if you mm-hmm. talk that talk, you better be able to back it up. Yeah. And listen, I'm – I'm obviously not a head coach, so I can freely say my opinion. Nat Hackett did a, a really bad job last year. Everybody knows he did. It, there's When you're in a profession, everybody knows they did. But you don't say. You don't throw another yeah. one of your coaching brothers <laughs> under <laughs> under the fire like that. Like It's not like your job is to generate clicks. Like Your job is to be a head coach. You're not looking for headlines. You're looking to keep it moving. And I just mm-hmm. think this is a really bad situation for the Denver Broncos. I don't like the start. You know, arrogance, a lot of trash talk. Of course, the Tim Patrick injury now, so they're down a wide receiver. Yeah. It, and this team is not in a good spot right here. And for the Jets side of things, I don't love it. Obviously, like they weren't looking for trouble. I just worry about this Jets team on certain levels. Now they're on hard knocks. 
They didn't want to be on Hard Knocks. They didn't want the cameras. They didn't want the media attention. Now Sean Payton's calling him out, and Aaron Rodgers is responding, which defending his guy, I respect it. You know, you're a level of Aaron Rodgers. You go out there and say something, people listen. So I respect defending your guy, but it's a lot of drama, and it's just now August 2nd for this Jets team who has very lofty expectations. And people are talking Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers himself is a guy who brought up Super Bowl. He said that one trophy's looking a little lonely. I respect it, but this was a seven-win team last year. And if you remember back to their seven wins, it was a little fluky. Their defense was top tier, but they played a lot of backup quarterbacks. So the seven wins, I don't think it's a full story the team was more of a four or five win team Rodgers had a really bad year and i think the what tom brady did when he went to tampa is influencing the way that we think superstars are going to do things and the way quarterbacks are going to do things it's the lebron effect you have this generational guy that's so good for so long anywhere he goes and it happened recently so now that's the standard, even though all of history has told us that a quarterback, they fall off the cliff. You know, Peyton, when he went to the Broncos, he was really good. But that year that they won the Super Bowl, that he retired. Nah. He wasn't benched for Brock Osweiler. He was hurt, but he didn't <laughs> play any better. Brett Favre, when he went to the Jets, was trash. Donovan McNabb, when he went from Philly to Washington, trash. So we've seen high-level quarterbacks which teams at the end of their careers everybody gets hyped for a resurgence and then they're not that guy hell you could even say russell wilson last year on that <laughs> broncos team trash and i don't know if he is now in terms of the drama obviously i'm on the jet side of things i think in terms of a professional situation when you are a professional you need to carry yourself that way in this situation being a head coach there's 30 32 of you in the league so yeah, that's like a brotherhood right there. And you don't just throw one of your guys under the bus, you, especially because nobody asked you to do that. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. they weren't like, so did you think Nat Hackett sucked? <laughs> like, you voluntarily were like, this was the worst coaching I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it was very hyperbolic, very bad. I wasn't a fan. And the NFL drama doesn't stop there. Mm-mm. The running back market that we talked about, it has only gotten spicier. Jonathan Taylor, this whole situation is crazy. He wants an extension, wants a contract, doesn't want to be franchise tagged. Watch what happened to Saquon. Watch what happened to Josh Jacobs. He said, I don't want that. I know how good I am. You know, Jim Irsay wants you in the Colts to pay me. They tell him no. They're like, nah, buddy. And, you know, I get it. From a general manager perspective, the numbers, they could franchise tag him next year and, and the year after. They have three more years of control on his contract. So I get it. Um, on one hand, I get it. On one hand, I don't. We'll get to that in a second. So Jonathan Taylor's like, if you ain't paying me, I ain't playing like right now. That's for sure. Thanks. And I respect it. But then Jim Irsay says, oh, yeah? Where'd you get hurt? <laughs> and he was like, oh, training. Like... And he's like, okay, cool. Like, you're going to be on the non-football injury list and you're not going to get paid at all this season. Like, he said, you petty, I'm petty too. <laughs> and it, this is a very slippery slope. And Nick Wright pointed this out, and I thought it was a great point. 
if Jim Irsay follows through with this threat and puts Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list for getting injured while working out in the offseason, it wasn't like a like the Naeem Hines situation where he got hurt on that jet ski accident, terrible, you hate to see it, but non-football injury, right? Clearly non-football, nothing to do with it. Jonathan Taylor's working out to stay in shape for your football team to be the best player that he could be in the offseason. That's the expectation of every player in the NFL. There's not a single guy that you're like, all right, it's the offseason, you don't work out anymore. Like, you get paid millions of dollars, you're going to be in shape. Like, they expect you to come in in shape, which is a fair expectation. Fair expectation. However, if I'm the NFL Players Association and Jonathan Taylor, a premier player in the league, doesn't get paid for working out in the offseason, you better believe there's a memo going out to every player. Do not work out in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Do not work out on your own time. OTAs, team facility, that's it. It's going to lower the quality of football. It's going to lower the quality of performance, especially early in the season. It's going to lead to a lot more injuries and OTAs and training camps because these guys are not going to be in football shape whatsoever. So Jim Irsay is riding a very slippery slope right here. And the NFL is full of a ton of smart people. I'm sure that, you know, I'm not, me and Nick Wright aren't the first people to bring this point up. But, you know, it's getting dicey here. And then Jonathan Taylor requests a trade. And Jim Irsay's like, no, we're not trading you. It's like, dog, what are you doing? And the craziest part of all of this to me is you don't pay the running back because you want to pay the quarterback. That's what we all know, right? Mahomes gets his contract. Kareem Hunt gone. They don't pay him. Jalen Hurts is paid. The Eagles don't want to pay Miles Sanders. You know, it's the reason that the Giants didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley because they just paid their quarterback, Daniel Jones. The Colts have Anthony Richardson, who's on a rookie deal. This is the time to pay the skill position players. This is the time to pay the team around him. You got four years of this guy on a rookie deal. Jonathan Taylor's not walking into that office saying seven-year extension on play. <laughs> like, he wants four years. You could sync up his contract perfectly with Anthony Richardson's. That way you don't have to pay him the same time you pay the quarterback. And he's going to make Anthony Richardson's life a hell of a lot easier. He is the best offensive talent on that team. I like Michael Pittman. He ain't that guy. And when we get after Michael Pittman, you're like out of the territory of good players at their position for the Colts offensive skill position guys. Anthony Richardson, dare I say, needs Jonathan Taylor out there to perform at a high level early on this season. You have Shane Steichen, who, from the Eagles, we know this. This guy has great running offenses. What this guy would be able to do with Jonathan Taylor (laughs) would be insane. And if you're just going to crumble it up and throw it away, it's... It's just un- unreal to me, but Nolan, why don't you share your thoughts on this whole Jonathan Taylor situation? Yeah, so it's tough. Um, I see from a player's perspective, like, how messed up it is. However, um, I am a huge AR guy, and I think, for fantasy purposes, first of all, I think he's a huge steal. Um, he's going in the hundreds, 110 ADP, which is stupid. I think he easily could be a top 10 quarterback this year. Now, talking about real-life football, um, you know, you have a guy like AR who's going to run the ball a ton. 
And I think to use his assets and your valuable salary cap in its best use is to get receivers and O-line rather than the running back. And I know Jonathan Taylor is great. He's an awesome running back, but I think they'd be more productive in his performance and his future if they were to do the others rather than pay JT. But if you think that, then trade him. Why are yeah, you so sure. against trading him then? For sure, for sure. And I, I, think, I think it's because he, Taylor wants a huge contract and Ursay wants a decent value back. And I think they that those two can't exist in the same trade. So here's the thing, though. When it comes to leverage, Jonathan Taylor has the leverage with the Colts to say, pay me or trade me. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Jonathan Taylor has the leverage to tell a team that he gets traded to that they have to pay him immediately. No. I think wherever he goes, he would have to play out the contract. You know, I think a popular team that he could go to is the Chicago Bears. I think they're a team, similar situation. I think it would really help Justin Fields. If the Bears made the move to trade for Jonathan Taylor, they could say, we're going to ride out this year, see how it goes, and we're open to giving you an extension at the end of the year, but we want to evaluate then. And I don't think Jonathan Taylor is in a position to tell them no. He's in a position potentially to tell the Colts no, that they have to pay him. I mean, Mm. at the end of the day, we all know he's not holding out. And that's the truth of the situation. You have three years of control left on your contract. You're not holding out. It's not. And with the new, you know, contract situation, you can't even hold out or else the year's void. And, like, you just have to make up for it. So, like, your choices are retire or play with the Colts. (laughs) And Jim Irsay knows that. He's kind of being a dick about it because he's going out tweeting about it. Like, you're a billionaire owner and you're out there making comments like that. It's just a little... (laughs) unhinged to me and then jonathan taylor has got to go tweet my back's fine and we're watching these negotiations happen over twitter <laughs> which is just it, hilarious a, when you think about it it's but it's been a wild nfl season and if the off season's this good i can't wait for the script yeah yeah this the script writers they, they were cooking they were they're, cooking they're, in the they're, they're season. Strike, but not for the nfl this year <laughs> yeah but i just i don't know i and then now when we take this to a broader scale and we look at the NFL running back situation as a whole, you know, I mentioned this in a video on my channel, which you should subscribe to, but I, I mentioned this. We're, we're on a slippery slope. We're on a slippery slope that'll eventually correct itself. But the way that the NFL that we grew up watching that a lot of people are just kind of accustomed to. It's about to change forever. And it may eventually shift back to something similar, but it won't ever be what it was. The running back position, if guys like Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, guys who are on the NFL 100 list in the top 35 players, have to fight with their teams to get a contract. No other player at any other position in that top 35 range of the top 100 players in the NFL. Only 32 teams, and those guys are top 35. They'd be the best player on a team voted by the players if every team went down in order and had one player. Can't get a contract 
-hmm. The fact that Saquon Barkley, who carried that offense, who was the best player on the team, has to <laughs> settle for one year, $11 million. And the only thing that he got, different from a franchise tag, was $2 million early. Is crazy. And mm -hmm. Saquon's going to make a lot of money post his career because he plays in New York. He's going to be, you know, a nice poster boy for them. He, he's a good-looking guy. Like, he'll figure it out. It's Saquon Barkley. But the same can't be said for every single running back. And it's, it's a slippery slope we're, you know, coming up on. And it's because of teams like the Chiefs who show, like, yeah. Why would you pay Saquon eleven million dollars and you can play Isaiah Pacheco seven hundred thousand and get seventy five percent of the same production, and then you can go load up on wide receivers, yeah, or tight ends or defense? You know, like the Chiefs have the best quarterback in football. They have a top three offensive line. They have the best tight end in football. They have a top five defensive line. They have a top ten secondary. They chose to not pay the skill position and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the last team. That was in the Super Bowl that had a high power running back. Yeah, I uh that's a good thought exercise. So if we think back, I mean, man, we're going we're going deep. Mar Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, and they didn't use it. <laughs> they, they chose to throw it. <laughs> they chose to throw it. Um I'm trying to think like I mean that was even towards like the tail end of Marshawn, yeah. though. I, and another name that came was Jerome Bettis, but that was towards the tail end of Bettis. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no way we're going all the way back to Terrell Davis. Like, I, I can't be. That can't be right. Terrell Davis? Uh, like, you, we're not talking Leonard Fournette a couple of years ago as like a nah. top tier running back, right? Like, like, there's no way. What, Are we talking winners or just teams that made it? Like, Cincinnati had Joe Mixon two years yeah, ago. And he's good. I, I'd, say, I'd say winners because, I mean, the goal is to win. Yeah, so. But I think the big thing is because the Patriots won all those times, and they, they never had a running back, you know? Yeah, they always had, they always had a, a change of guys. Maybe Indianapolis in 07, but, again, that was towards the tier or the end of that run back, too. Mm -hmm. It's seriously – it's I, it, I, I it's 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 either Marshall Falk in two thousand or Terrell Davis in ninety nine. <laughs> Literally, when I was born in nineteen ninety nine, <laughs> was the last time the running back was a star level player on the team. That's crazy, that's crazy. But you know, there's plenty of teams that have had good running backs that have been there. You know, uh, what was it like two thousand ten or whatever when the Saints went to the Super Bowl? They played. Mm -hmm. The uh, Vikings in the NFC Championship, and they had Adrian Peterson. So the Eagles had LaShawn McCoy for a long time. Le'Veon Bell was on those Steelers teams that always made it deep. So it, there was plenty of teams that were made it there and just didn't quite get over the hump. Yeah. And we're just headed in a direction where it's going to be tough to get paid as a running back, and as a result, they're either going to stay in college, they're going to just not be – in, in high school, like, if you're a talented guy, like, you're not going to want to play running back. Like, the top-tier talent, top-tier athletes oh. in middle school, high school are going to play quarterback, wide receiver, or something else. Great. And, you know, eventually, and we're going to get to the point where there's so many talented receivers 
<laughs> but you don't need to pay them, and then you pay the running back, and it should it'll likely be a pendulum, but we're headed towards a very pass heavy, more so than it has been NFL, and you know I worry that it's gonna be some rule changes that are gonna really take out the physicality of the game, and you know I hope we I hope we don't ever hit that flag football standard, but I'll tell you what these kind of moves eliminating the physicality of the running back position it's gonna get us there close. And part of it has to do with the mobile quarterback, too. Well, every every team that's good, their quarterback can run. Mahomes can run. Joe Burrow can't really run like that. But Lamar, Hurts, Justin it's Fields. So like, much different than, like, even five years ago. Yeah, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Big Ben weren't running. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that. Those guys were not running like that. We're going to shift gears here, talk a little baseball. The MLB trade deadline. It, it was not exciting Man. for me. Um <laughs> But I'm not from Texas. So the Texas boys, they really the AL West. That's yeah. what ain't. Um I'll start with the Rangers. Um, I know the college kids, Philly Godfather, they've been loving the Rangers. And I really like their odds come out the AL now. I think that they had a fantastic deadline bringing in Max Scherzer, bringing in Jordan Montgomery, two really solid starting pitchers. And this is, you know, the second best team with a run differential already in baseball. They, in my opinion, are the clear best team in the AL at this point. I think Tampa took a step back. The Rangers didn't. Their offense is insane. Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, those guys have been absolute monsters this year. And the Rangers, you know, to overcome the Jacob deGrom injury and to be that good, it... Crazy. They had they had to go all in, and I I love the moves that they made. Um, you know, how do you feel about the Rangers? Are they clearly in a World Series contender spot for you, or do you almost think they're regular season Warriors? Yeah, I, I think definitely they have a shot in the AL. Um, this year the AL is pretty weak, um, and I think more so just inexperience yeah. shows. Um, because you have the Rays, you have the Orioles. You know, um, the Central is I don't know who's coming out of that. It's, don't matter. Battle of mid. <laughs> don't um, even matter. Yeah. So, you know, like because of that, I think they really took advantage of their opportunity, Rangers. And I mean, I give them props, bro, to get Scherzer, Montgomery, both those guys, solid arms, especially after losing DeGrom like that. Like, yeah. I give them props. And I guess we'll see kind of how their season progresses and how they finish the year off. Because, I mean, if they get hot, especially at the end of the year, like they could easily just make a huge run in postseason. Yeah, I mean, the AL could look very different postseason-wise. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about it. You know, teams that weren't in last year, uh, Baltimore, Texas. You know, we're going to talk about the Angels. Uh, They made some moves, and I really liked what the Angels did. I Do I think it made them World Series contenders? I'm not going to go that far. I mean, you have Shohei Otani, you have Mike Trout, and you have now comfortable pieces around them so i won't rule it out i think they could definitely get into the playoffs and once you're in you you know they could be very scary like that phillies team last year i think this lineup now is very good they went out and got pitching uh i believe they're the team that got giolito um 
Yeah. And I, I think the Dodgers got Lance Lynn. They got Giolito. Am I correct on that? I, I, I'm I was, pretty sure. I, that mix, I mixed up where the the White Sox moved pieces everywhere, and it was just, it just became a cluster to follow. But yeah, I'm, pretty I'm pretty sure I'm sure right there. Right. And they, they needed starting pitching. You bring in Giolito, that's solid. And then you get two really good bats, CJ Crone and Grichik. So, yeah, it, you know, that, that lineup, when you come to playoff time, <laughs> if they're healthy – and you're in the playoffs, a starting pitcher gets to see Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, CJ Crone, you know, Hunter Enfro, Gritchick, uh, Ohop. I mean, like, it's scary. <laughs> and that's wow. why I said it feels very Phillies esque. I don't think the starting pitching is quite to what the Phillies were last year. So that's my worry there. But this wasn't just about winning a World Series this year. This was about keeping Shohei Otani. And we talked about this at length. They had to do something to show this guy. Shohei likes it on the Angels. He's very much so made that known. He doesn't want to leave, but he doesn't. he's going to feel like he has to leave if you can't build a team around him. You buy pieces. You get if the, Here's my prediction. If the Angels make the playoffs, Shohei Otani's going nowhere. If they miss, then there's a conversation to be had. But this move was more so than anything to lock up Shohei Otani. And I think it's a good building block for them. I don't think they're going to win the World Series. Maybe they win a playoff series if they get to face an AL Central team, depending on where they land in the wild card set. But this is what the move was about. It was about retaining Shohei Otani. So you got to respect it. You got to respect being aggressive. You know, you could have, you know, traded Otani and started another rebuild. They said, nah. We want Otani to be an angel for life. And that's the attitude you got to have with the best player in baseball at this time. Yeah. And a guy that we don't got to dive down this rabbit hole, but could be the GOAT. Could be the GOAT. So <laughs> you got, if there's a guy where you could say could be the GOAT, you got to keep him. And we, uh, we got to talk about the Astros too. You know, World Series reigning champs, they haven't been. At the top of the AL, like we're accustomed to seeing, but they've been floating around. Altuve had that suspension, and then him and Jordan got hurt. This team brought back Justin Verlander. He's been pretty mid for the Mets, um, but I'm sure now that he's back in Houston, he'll be back to a Cy Young yeah. player. <laughs> it's just how it yeah, works. The day, sticky stuff. the day that they trade for him, Fram- Framer Valdez throws a no-hitter. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy. They're back. <laughs> it's like you just hear the Darth Vader music and you just know the Astros are coming and I'm sure they'll be back yeah. in the World Series and mm-hmm. somehow we'll end up with an Astros Braves World Series even with all Gosh. these new AL teams. But maybe I, maybe I shouldn't even speak that into existence. <laughs> maybe that's something we should kick the can down the road like the Saints when it comes to salary cap. But <laughs> overall, I, I didn't think it was a too eventful of a trade deadline. Obviously, you feel the same way, but certainly something we want to touch on. Um, is there anything else you want to add? You want to even talk about how Uncle Stevie and the Mets just signed all them players this offseason and then gave them all the boot, and now you know Max Scherzer said they're planning for 2025, 2026 to be competitive. I don't know how that gets through the locker room to a guy that you're trading away. I, you know, a lot of stuff surprises me, especially when it comes to the Mets, because they're just laughing stop stock of baseball but i mean i'm not surprised i mean they came into this year with so many so much anticipation 
And even I'm, I saw a video uh, this week, they had a celebration at spring training or something like that of them winning the World Series at, at practice. And uh, and then they were like, yeah, and then knock it on now. So Dude, that's like, just you. It, it's karma. Bro. You can't. Yeah, you can't do that. The Bills. Bills, the team that we're both down on. You see what they did at practice? I they, didn't. They have a, a team that's never won a Super Bowl in their mm. practice facility as a giant banner of the Lombardi Trophy. That way they know what they're playing for every day. Uh, it's like, yeah, dog. That's cringy, man. It's mm. not even just that it's cringy. It's you've never won one. No, and that's, no, that's not even the next step for you. Like, like you just got bounced in the divisional round at home. Yeah. You gotta make the AFC championship. They gotta, and, you know, yeah. I think that we, we talked about them. Their window's probably closed. I think they missed their opportunity uh, a couple years ago when they let the Chiefs have that comeback on them. I think the Bills would have beaten the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl that year. I really do. I think they had the defensive personnel in the offensive line. That was the big problem for the Chiefs. They couldn't stop that. Buccaneers pass rush, and maybe the Bills wouldn't have been able to either. Josh Allen's a little bit more mobile, and obviously a conversation for another time, but the Bills and the Mets, it might be, it's a New York thing, I guess. Uh, they're just always yeah. looking a, a little step ahead there. Um, we got to talk about Dame. Damian Lillard. Trade hasn't happened, still. Okay, uh, Dame, time, Dame time's running behind, I guess. I don't, I don't know, but... <laughs> all those reports came out that essentially, like, Damian Lillard and his agent are saying, if you're not the Miami Heat and you trade for Dame, you're going to get a pissed-off superstar. He's not going to want to play for you. Mm-hmm. And the NBA sent out a memo, and they were like, this is not allowed. <laughs> My question to you is, do you think this memo was more so we don't condone this behavior, or... We don't condone this behavior being public. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely public because, like we've seen in the past, there's been a lot of players that request trades, especially at certain teams. But they always big, have a list, though. They always, you know, Kevin Durant yeah. was open to other teams, but then ultimately yeah. he got to the Suns. And when Anthony Davis even got traded, he had other teams on mm-hmm. his list, but it's, yeah, it was I, all fake. I think because of that. Like, they don't want this to happen in the future again. Yeah. Um, so they just have to nip it in the butt, and it hopefully it doesn't. Well, with stuff like this, though, NBA free agency with big-time stars on the move is going to be mm-hmm. a thing of the past. I mean, yeah. like, why would they ever wait? Damian Lillard just signed an extension last offseason. He's already asked mm-hmm. to be traded. Bradley Beal, just contract. And to be fair, Bradley Beal wasn't like, I demand a trade. He just... You know, like the Bradley Beal one made more sense, obviously, but yeah, I just uh, these guys get paid, and you know, I get it from a player perspective because it's not like your team honors the contract; they'll ship you off for anything too. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's just uh, free agency may maybe a thing of the past in the NBA, and I just thought it was important to touch on that. But we're gonna close out the show with a little, a little more NFL talk. Um, I don't know if you want to intro this and how it came about. You said you and your buddies were talking about NFL MVP odds today. I'll let you uh, take it from here. Yeah, so uh, I think somebody sent a tweet in our group chat, and it was about Justin Fields, you know, has is having this going to be a huge season, winning MVP, just like Jalen Hurts. 
And I think well, Jalen Hurts didn't win MVP, so whoever said that, that was already what well, he's going to have the same leap as like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I got you. Um, but his uh, odds right now are twenty to one plus two thousand, and currently he has more MVP bets than Mahomes, Herbert, and Josh Allen combined. For me, that is honestly ridiculous. Like. Justin Fields, I totally get like the hype and everything surrounding him. Obviously, um, DJ Moore is in the in the offense now, but like, come on, like to win MVP, they have to be the one seed. All right. Second of all, Justin Fields, uh, I'm not the biggest Justin Fields guy, but his accuracy is just like just gross. And I know obviously he's he's gonna get better. And progress, but I just cannot see this huge leap to an MVP. And there's guys like we just talk, we talked about earlier. Um, Lawrence is in that same category, kind of like MVP wise. He's like yeah. fifteen to one around there. Um, Lamar Jackson, he's close to a Geno Smith too. Like, yeah, like I just don't see how the odds match the risk. To so it. the odds for me aren't the issue. Justin Fields being roughly the same spot as Geno Smith, I think, is fine. Um, because Justin Fields does have another element to his game. The amount of people that are crazily betting it, though, that's yeah, that's the thing for me. He's the most bet guy. So generally speaking, the way that lines work in Vegas is if so many people are on one side, the line will shift. They're keeping it right where it is. They're like, keep on betting it. <laughs> if Vegas tells you to keep on betting it, don't yeah. keep betting, okay? <laughs> oh. I promise you, they know what they're doing. And the thing with Justin Fields, and I get the Jalen Hurts comp because they're both rushing quarterbacks. You mentioned it. Justin Fields is not the passer. Justin Fields also doesn't have the team around him. Mm-mm. And we could throw defense out of the picture. I'll even just talk about just offense. DJ Moore isn't better than A.J. Brown, which no, isn't sure. a hot take. He's not better than Devonta Smith. So Jalen Hurts had two better weapons at the wide receiver. And the Bears wide receiver two out of DJ Moore is what? Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney. The guys that they're not consistent week to week. Um, Cole Komet, worse than Dallas Goddard. The Mm -hmm. running game for the Bears. Khalil Herbert, I like Khalil Herbert. It's not going to be as good. Their offensive line is ranked 21st. The Eagles is ranked first. The game's won in the trenches. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a huge uphill battle. And all these people that are betting Justin Fields to win MVP. And this is my this is my follow-up question. You said that they have to be the one seed. I don't think that they have to be the one seed. Are you even betting them to win the NFC North? They bet they have to win their division if that he's uh-huh. winning MVP. Yeah. Are you saying confidently that you feel that they're better than the Lions and the Vikings? So and even I, the Packers, even the Packers. So, like we yeah. could make the argument that they're the worst team in the division. Yeah. So when I made my season-long bet for this year, division winners, I'll discuss that at another episode. But I was I was very close from picking the Bears. I'm not the biggest Justin Fields guy, but they have a lot of potential, I see, and the North is very... See, I wasn't close at all to picking them. Their team's just not there for me. I I think they're going to place in third place, and I think I have the Vikings repeating. I know the Lions. Everybody's on the Lions this year. It just seems 
too sus for me. Yeah, so looking at their division, I'm in on the Lions. I'm not in on the Lions to level everybody else is. I'm in on the Lions winning the division because I think the Vikings more so take a step back. The Vikings were like 11-0 in one-score games last year. So the reason I like the Lions because they showed improvement at the end of the year. And the Vikings, no shot that they could be that good in one-score games again. Mm. So they come back down to life. But even, the, I think the winner of that division wins 10 games. I don't think that the winner yeah. of that division is an 11-12 win team at this point. So, I don't, like, the MVP hype doesn't match Bears hype. Do you know what I mean? Like, all the mm-hmm. hypes on the field to win MVP appear, but I have not heard anybody talking about the Bears winning that division. And... Yeah. Both need to happen. You need to be a top two or three seed. And if it's three, like, your stats need to be wildly impressive. Like, he needs to break Lamar's rushing season record. Like, and he very well could. That's on the board. I don't think winning the division is on the board. I don't think the Bears, I mean, and I'm talking ceiling here. I don't think that they could get better than 10 wins. And I think that's their ceiling. The team Mm -hmm. is just not there. It's a lot of young guys that are rebuilding, and I'm not knocking the Bears here. I don't think that they think they're at that point in time. I think the Bears would be happy with a wild card playoff spot and be like, all right, we got our guy. But everybody with these Justin Fields MVP bets, I think it's more likely that Justin Fields isn't the Bears quarterback next season than he wins MVP this year. And I, like, he was so good for fantasy. And sometimes that's the problem. You get Mm -hmm. caught up in these guys that were so good for your fantasy team, but for their real team, like, He didn't help them win. They ended the year on a 10-game losing streak. When he was winning new weeks in fantasy, his team was losing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So, fantasy MVP, maybe. Regular season MVP, no shot. But that's all we got uh, for today's episode. Be sure to leave a like. Be sure to give us a follow on socials. All them linked below. Be sure to follow the college kids. If you're looking to make money this NFL season, there's nowhere else than you want to be than the phillygodfather.com, the college kids experience Twitter, the eight ball Twitter. You'll, you'll see them all. Give them all a follow. If you want to make some moolah this NFL season, but until next week, peace. Deuces.